0: hello everyone before we start this episode just want to let you know we do run a little long again and we believe that it is worth listening to the entire thing also this is very important we use explicit language in this including the f-word so please do not listen around children or anybody who you think uh might not be ready to hear that or do i mean you know it's your choice Hello, and welcome to Evangel Bros, your weekly podcast about biblical literacy, discipleship, and historical slash cultural context. I'm your co-host, George Benson.
1: I'm your other co-host, Don
0: Sheever. And uh, today we are um, going to be talking about something that is very important to theology. We've talked about praying with your feet before on uh, this podcast, and there has been, unless you've been living in a hole, a lot of um, protests that have been co-opted and Turned into riots in some cases, um, in the news going on within this last week, as a kind of response to George Floyd's brutal murder by a police officer. Um, we're not making theolog or I'm sorry, we're not making political statements in this episode. This is purely uh theological,
1: as hard as that might be to believe. Um Yes, especially since we've spent so much time as Christians making, attempting to make politics our theology. Uh, So they might sound a lot alike.
0: Yeah. Um, And uh, so that's what we're talking about this episode. Uh, We wanted to throw this out there at the beginning just in case this might be triggering for some of our audience members who can't listen to it at this time. Um, So we want to be respectful of that. Uh, And without further ado, let's just jump right on in. So, uh, Don, you were actually present at the protests in Toledo this week. Yes. Um, And uh, do you want to share anything about that before? Basically, what you asked me to do for this episode is come up with a list of quotes or kind of memes that have been floating around about the protests turning into riots and things like that. um, Or just about the protests in general. So I've got a list of those. Going that I'm gonna ask you here shortly, but I just wasn't sure if there was
1: anything you wanted to share right off the bat. I think just off the bat, I wanna say presence matters. Um, And when we aren't present, people don't know that they matter. And we need to make sure that we're present. So that's it, I mean, I, hopefully that'll get explained and fleshed out more as we talk, but I, I just I just want to let all of our listeners know that, so maybe I do have more to say on that then, uh, that we often think, well, what can I do? What's me being there going to help? What What is me there going to change? Well, it changes things because you're present, and people particularly marginalized communities in this case the black community has often felt that the white community that quote unquote supports them supports them from a distance but does not uh, attempt to be present with them and I think if we learned anything from scripture if we learn anything from theology we learn that presence is what makes let me just say this when i was at the po- at the podcast when i was at the protest my thoughts that i kept continuing to return to is that presence is important and in our presence we make the st- the space that we occupy either in that space that we occupy we either make it sacred or we make it profane And we need to be a people of faith that stand in spaces that have been profaned and bring them back to sacredness. That's what your presence can do. That's what our presence can do. That's what our presence should do.
0: Okay. Um, Well, the first verse or the first uh, kind of quote or thing that I pulled. Um was actually one of your quotes. If you're white and you want to ask another white person how peaceful protests turn violent, ask a white person who was there. So
1: Yeah, I think go ahead, sorry.
0: No, I, I mean I've um I thought that this was really interesting just because uh I've been a part of a lot of protests and um they uh there's definitely an edge that um the that, that white people bring to it oh uh, yeah and so when <laughs> i'd never actually um i don't know what it was about that that quote right there but it was just like oh holy shit obviously these things are connected yeah so
1: yeah i think i think one of the things that i noticed in toledo and i want to I want to state here so people have a sense of what took place in Toledo. Toledo's turned violent. Uh, Toledo's uh, turned into chaos. Um, And so um, I just want that picture for people that, you know, the police showed up in military vehicles, SWAT gear, and firing uh, mace pellets and tear gassing the uh, protesters um, it, it I mean I think it was the biggest battle in Toledo since uh, Michigan and Ohio had a war over it, right Like so Toledo' was did not start and finish peacefully. Um, and in the midst of all of that, there's a few things. One, and I, I don't like conspiracy theories but there was a lot of 20-something white males that were just doing their best to try and get the police fired up um, I cannot emphasize that enough that when it came to who was walking up and getting into the face and cursing and swearing and everything at the officers. It was always a 20 something white male and there were people of color trying to uh, de-escalate them. So nothing like being a person of color trying to protest for the unfair treatment of of their brothers and sisters. But then also having to try and calm white people down uh, was was really distressing, right? Like it's, it reminds me of when, um, you know, people who lose a loved one spends all their time at, a, at the funeral comforting the people that are coming uh, to – that should be coming to comfort them. Instead, they spend the whole time comforting. And there's no healing in that. There's no healthiness in that. And the same thing, I saw that a ton here in Toledo. Um, That's first and foremost. The second thing is when people say things like, well, if you threw something at the police, then they have the right to retaliate. And I think that's such an interesting thing because it allows people to dismiss what actually happened, uh, what actually happened. So like in Toledo, for example, um, right before things escalated, there was a water bottle thrown. Now, now picture this, okay? I want everyone to picture this scene. SWAT comes flying into the intersection trying to divide the protest into two groups. This is what they do. They keep trying to divide the protests into splitting them in half until eventually the protesters think everyone is left and it's no longer a large group and then they dissipate. Good tactical move, right? But that's what they're doing. They fly into the intersection, six vehicles, um, officers step out in riot gear. With weapons drawn, uh, and not like live ammo, but you know, deterrents of pepper spray, um, mace pellets, tear gas. Um, I'm guessing they were beanbag uh, rounds, um, and armored vehicle that the top pops open, and the person is pointing their gun through the metal top. So that's the scene that happens, and they just like all of a sudden they're on us everyone in that moment their their fight or flight responses kick in and you literally are under attack or at least under threat of a military force in that moment now this is this is where they're feeling this is how the crowd's feeling when this happens, right like we're about to be attacked somebody throws a water bottle the lid's not on it it flies it lands about 15 feet from the officers and slides now this is important also because the officers are wearing armor body armor if the bottle hit them Look, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. Browns fans have thrown worse things than open water bottles at the field. And I've never seen uh, security guards just unload on them. And, but in this moment, the water bottle hits, the police all step forward, pull up their weapons and unload on us. Start firing tear gas. You Now, tear gas has been fired into a crowd. Everyone's running. Everyone's screaming. Um, and when you're being attacked, because that's what it was, like it didn't feel like they were asking us nicely to, hey, can you guys calm down? Or, hey, so we're a little worried and we're a little concerned that maybe emotions are high right now. Like There was no feeling of that there was just like, all of a sudden, there's tear gas. And in that moment, what the response is from a, from a group of 1,800 people when you fire tear gas and mace pellets at them, I, I don't know that anyone thinks that they don't have the right to return some kind of aggression back towards that. Um, that is why we have these militias, Right. People like that, like these militias, right, that say, well, it's in case the government ever tries to use military force on us, we can respond. So they're saying they can respond with guns, but someone responds by throwing water bottles back at being maced and stuff. That's now that's rioting. And, you know, they deserved it. It's it's just a really fascinating thing to watch. So anyhow, I'll stop. You have a perplexed look.
0: Well, yeah, no, I was just um, thinking about the the statement of uh, of how things turn violent. So you went from a twenty something year old white male yelling in the face of the of right geared cops to the tossing of a water bottle, and yep. it turns violent that way. So I was just I'm just thinking through that. That's all.
1: Yeah, and my understanding from my colleagues across the country who have participated in these protests and have walked and marched, this is the same story everywhere. And I mean, last night, I don't know, George, if you wanna talk, if you wanna kind of explain what uh, happened last night uh, at the White House.
0: Oh, uh, (laughs) so we're we're recording this on Tuesday, the day before it comes out. Uh, So this is June 2nd, Um, just if you're listening in the future. I I assume you're talking about President Trump standing outside of, uh, was it St. Joseph's Cathedral Um, and how the police and military were called in to remove the protesters around there and the uh, priest, I cannot remember what his name is, but was forcibly removed from the church itself. So Trump could do a a photo op holding a a Bible.
1: Very awkwardly.
0: Well, I mean, we're not trying to get political, so I'll stop there.
1: All right. Yeah, and one of the ironies is that the protesters were actually being peaceful. It It was being streamed live
0: And you could hear everything going on in the background.
1: Yeah. And the, um, you know, while he sends National Guardsmen in to remove them with force, half hour before the curfew takes place, he's saying uh, that he is for peaceful protesters while he just commanded peaceful protesters to be removed forcibly. Um, this this picture is it's terrifying it's it's biblical proportions of empire and power and uh, trying to control um, the well-being of of the people Um, you know he's uh, Trump was trying to was not trying was expressing that um, governors should use more uh, militaristic responses to protests and if if they were unwilling to do that, he would send military in um, this is I haven't heard anything lately um, like what his response to Charlottesville was. Uh, in his response to Charlottesville, I believe he said something to the effect of there are good people on both sides.
0: Yeah. I remember Um, that.
1: I might be wrong because I don't listen to everything that is said from that office, but I don't recall something like that being said about uh, this. Now, maybe he has, and maybe you can send me 50 articles where, he's quoted saying such a thing but this is
0: I mean uh, if if, no I was just gonna say if there is something outside of his comments about or his tweets about uh, thugs and the looting and the shooting um, email us them so we can look at them evangel at gmail.com
1: and George before we we go too much further I want to make something really really certain to our audience Sure. If we only focus on the protests and the riots, we've done a disservice to the fact that black and brown people are murdered in our streets disproportionately to anyone else by the police. And that's why there are protests. Like that, anti racism has to be the goal of the church, should be the goal of the world, but at the very least, the church should be striving towards being anti-racist, not just uh, uh, race-friendly, anti-racist, staunchly anti-racist, and that, we can't lose sight that that's what this is about, is about us needing to be anti-racist.
0: Oh, I thank you for for doing that. Um, Okay, so are are you ready to move on to the next one?
1: Sure. I'm sure I'm going to be fired up before this is all done. I'm already feeling a little fired I, up.
0: I can tell. It's, I can I can see it. Um, okay. This was from uh, a meme. So it's just, okay. Remember when white Minnesotans rioted after the Smalley cop shot and killed a blonde woman just for being white? Me neither. Now, do you remember what this is in reference to? If not, I can provide some context.
1: Is that the woman that uh, she was out in the alleyway in the middle of the night or something like that? Yeah,
0: so this is back in 2017. Um, A woman named Justine Diamond called uh, the cops because she thought a woman was being assaulted in her alleyway. The cops showed up, they cleared the scene, um, and the first Somali cop in this Minnesotan uh, department uh, was in response or responded to this. And then... Uh, The woman walked up beside the cop car, made a lot of noise. Both officers drew their guns, and then uh, the officer shot her. There was an eight-month investigation into this. After he killed her, he was sentenced to jail for 12 and a half years and convicted of third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter.
1: Mm. So you want me to respond to the meme?
0: I mean, yeah, you, that's what you wanted to, or your, your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I think, well, I'm going to make a, a probably a, an analogy that diminishes this. And, I, well, I don't know, I can make an analogy that doesn't diminish the, the weight of this. So, it's kind of like, have you ever stubbed your toe on a piece of furniture, George?
0: Yes, and broken it.
1: The furniture? With I your
0: mean, toe? No, the toe. Uh contrary to popular belief I am not that strong so
1: if you do that once you're you're pissed and you're like you know hop around whatever if you stub your toe on that piece of furniture let's say I don't know how many black and brown people have been murdered in the streets just in this year If you stub your toe that many times on that same piece of furniture, what are you going to do that's different than if you stub it once?
0: Break the furniture.
1: Well, maybe. But I'm thinking you're going to move it. (laughs) Well, yeah, maybe. You're going to change. It's, It's clear that something needs to change with the system of how you have your house set up.
0: I mean, I guess.
1: And... And that's what I, that's the, this meme makes no sense to me in the sense of like, look, you know, the first time it's careless, it's unfortunate that I stub my toe. And again, I'm not diminishing this murder of this woman or anything, or or any of the black and brown bodies that have been slaughtered in our streets. I'm just saying that, in the scenario of stubbing your toe. It's out of all interactions with you walking around and furniture and everything, you stub your toe once on this, it sucks. It hurts. and But it happens. But when it becomes like this thing where you're daily, three times a day, two times a day, it's in the news how often you stub your toe on this piece of furniture. Something has to change. Because it's it's clear that the furniture's in the wrong place. It's clear that it's blocking the path that you need to walk. There's something needs to change, and the problem, the reason that there isn't rioting for that woman, is because it was addressed immediately after one stub toe. He goes to jail. How many people um, that are non-white have been murdered? by the police and the police are found not liable.
0: Continue to do their jobs.
1: Right. And so in this moment the the world has decided not to move that piece of furniture.
0: Yeah, even though there has been video upon video upon video.
1: Yes. Yeah. So that's my thoughts on that. And I apologize to everyone. That's off the top of my head, the analogy of the stubbing of the toe. And I, I just pray that that doesn't offend anyone and that they understand my point on that. All
0: right. So this next one uh, is a Twitter exchange. Well, it's not really an exchange. It was somebody threw out a tweet, and then somebody responded to it. OK. Um, we believe in law and order in this country. We condemn violence against property or persons. We will always stand for the right of Americans to peacefully protest and let their voices be heard. And that was Vice President Mike Pence. And then um, in response to that tweet, uh, A.O. Edabree said, remember when Colin Kaepernick peacefully protests and you stood your ass up and walked out of the game?
1: Yep. Yeah, I'd say the very first thing that, jumped out to me was that he listed property before lives Um, that was the very first thing right you know so George you've been through the discipleship process with me you know that I'm always like words and the order of words in the text matter right they're telling a story and when words are being ordered in a way that seems odd whether it be like the the Jacob's Ladder picture where it says they're ascending, then descend. the angels are ascending, then descending, which is strange because that means they're starting out on the earth, going up and then coming down. Um, or Noah, the story of Noah and his family, where it's Noah and his sons and Noah's spouse and Noah's son's spouses get on. And then later it's Noah and his spouse and Noah's sons and their spouses. Uh, and that order change makes the rabbis see a change in the story yeah and i i think it's very very um obvious what some people in our country value more whether it be let's open up the economy and risk the lives of people um because this is hurting our 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 companies um or and i realized that that was way too simplistic of a of a statement about that
0: um, sure but i think it's important I, if we hadn't stated this at before this in the episode we're speaking in very broad strokes with this one i mean right. to spend time going into the the tiny
1: details of this um, we'd get stuck in the minutia never get anywhere yeah so so in this instance where pence seems to name not seems to he does he names property first i think it it demonstrates kind of what people's concerns are when they see these protests a window gets broken and they're like they're like you know oh now you're breaking windows and you're harming businesses and it's like were you as outraged about a window being broken for seemingly no reason so let's say your perspective is there was no reason for that to happen but you can not respond to George Floyd's death where you know his neck or his esophagus or his breathing canal is quote-unquote broken for no apparent reason um, and you're more upset about the window and you're more willing to wag your finger at a window breaker than a life breaker and oh, that, how do we not see, oh, or how, do, let's say, even if we go, well, that's because that's, I've heard this, right, from white people. It's because that's a given. Like, obviously, that was bad. And it's like, there are no more givens in our world when it comes to racism. Stop saying it's a given. State it out loud. Say it. Say it's racist. Say it was uh, murder. Say it. Don't don't get away with this by walking that middle ground so you don't offend either person by saying, well, I thought it was obvious. No, your friends don't know what you obviously think. Uh, the, the people around you don't know. No, you need to say it out loud. And if you won't, then it's probably because you're afraid you're going to come across as racist, which means you're probably racist. Um, I, So this whole thing with breaking a window, being like, George, what do you think a life is worth?
0: I mean, everything.
1: So the government, do you know the government actually has a value on life?
0: Uh, No, I didn't. Well, I mean, I guess I did. I had a $400,000 life insurance policy when I was in the Navy.
1: (laughs) So the government actually values life, I believe, someone can probably find this and I don't feel like Googling it at the moment. The US government values life at approximately $13 million. Okay, And the reason they come up with that number is for things like COVID, for instance. Like they want to determine how many people have died, how many people are going to die if we reopen the economy and what is the impact vice versa, and can we make those numbers work? Okay. And it seems very um, it seems very unfortunate. Um so there was an old way to figure out the value of life and there's a new way. The old way actually made life very low value. In fact, your value of your life changed based on how old you were and other things. And now the value of life is just standard. It is this much, and I believe it's right around $13 million. Okay. If you think about all the atrocities that have been committed by police brutality to people of color, because if your entire life is worth $13 million, then being harmed or traumatized or something else also will have a value. I would be willing to stake a lot of another Donald's money on this idea that the damage caused by rioters and looters pales in comparison to the value that the government says every human life is worth. Unless the government still sees certain bodies as three-fifths. And even then, I still think it pales in comparison. I uh, yeah, I would agree. So that's my thoughts to that meme.
0: Got it. What were your, what are your thoughts on the on the response to that uh, tweet? The uh, remind Kaepernick. me. It. Oh, okay, um, remember uh, when Colin Kaepernick peacefully protests and you stood your ass up and walked out of the game? Because I know I've seen um, <laughs> there are pop- there's a very popular meme going around, uh, showing different ways of peaceful protest and how people have peacefully protest, um, or in just how it's fallen on deaf ears and Kaepernick is one of them.
1: Yeah. That almost feels so obvious that I don't know that I can add any, like, I think that that is one statement that could absolutely be made in old school Twitterverse where before you got an increase of, uh, you know, uh, what is it called? Um, characters oh got it (laughs) yeah so like yeah i don't know that i can say more than that i mean that seems so obvious like would the people and, and maybe this is the question i would want to ask my friends um who don't understand the rioting and the protests now after what you have seen happen in our country would you rather have listened to kaepernick or have this going on? And do you at all feel bad that you dismissed what Kaepernick was saying before this? Um, and I, I mean, that's about as much as I can think of.
0: No, oh, I think that that's, that's a good spot to leave it. So this is another tweet. Uh, Before critiquing the riots, make sure you critique the conditions that led to the riots. Property violence is indefensible, but killing a person is a sin against God. Dr. King never condoned violence, but he understood the rage. Riot is the language of the unheard, MLK. Yeah. That's a tweet from Shane Claiborne.
1: Um, I'm not gonna address the tweet directly. Uh, I'm going to instead address some of the implications of the tweet. Go on. I think Shane missteps here. Um, nothing like calling out Shane Claiborne on my on our podcast, right? Heck yeah, um, he's probably one of the thirty listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you just, um, I mean, Look, the, the quoting of MLK by white people, stop it, 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 stop it. Because we like to quote MLK and co-opt him to our white sensibility. Stop doing it. Um, particularly when MLK is used in any way to police black people on the way they think about protest, I think he would be offended by the idea of a bunch of white pastors around the country, white leaders around the country, white anybody's around the country using his words to in some way uh critique or add any kind of perspective on the uh the protests that could be heard as and I'm using this intentionally policing the thought and behavior of the people of color who are protesting and whether or not Shane intends that, Shane is doing that, and we need to be very careful. And I'm guilty of, of quoting MLK.
0: Oh, I think that we're. I have. Go ahead. No, I'll just say I think that we're all guilty of that. I mean, part of part of learning um, and educating yourself on how to respond to this type of thing is recognizing the fact that at some point in time, and you probably still are, racist. Absolutely. Like I mean, you know, I can think of e- even even the last tweet that we just talked about about uh, Colin Kaepernick and peaceful protesting. You know, how much of those conversations about Kaepernick's peaceful protest is policing what pe- uh, what people of color do in order to be heard?
1: Yep. I saw a a quote, and George, I don't remember where it was in response to an MLK quote. and But it stuck with me and I wish I would have either captured it somehow or retweeted it or whatever, but they said to the effect of, and I believe I'm getting this quote correct, but I might be slightly off, MLK was never, is never, and will never be your house Negro. And that is what white people are trying to make MLK be. And if you don't know what that term means, House Negro, you need to do some, some reading of the way that uh, slavery was done uh, to harm yeah. people. And I think that that's exactly what people are doing. Maybe not exactly, but you understand. Like No, I
0: understand how it's coming across. Uh, okay. So,
1: that's my response. Got it. Shane Claiborne, stop quoting MLK. Stop it.
0: Um, all right. 90%, probably more, of the critiques of protests are made from people that never left their couch.
1: Wow, that sounds familiar.
0: It should. Um. Now, that was you. Do you want to dive into a little more of what your thoughts were behind that or kind of what you mean? Yeah, I I think.
1: Yeah, I think that when. It's like asking someone. To describe the moon. From Earth. And that's how it got made out of cheese, right? That's how we have all these myths about the moon. But if we ask someone who was actually on the moon, and I know some of our listeners might not believe we ever went there, but let's imagine together that we did. The person describing what happens or what the moon is like, what the atmosphere is like, what the conditions are like, are way more likely to be accurate than the person. Sitting on their couch, staring up at the moon uh, in the late evening. Um, that, I mean, that's at the end of the day. That's that's kind of my point. Like, you don't get to critique it if you never left your freaking couch. Get up, go stand in the midst of it, and then feel free to suggest what you saw, to describe what you experienced. So, no,
0: that's good. Um, okay. This next one is at the, I think, four minute and 15 second excerpt. It was uh, almost uh, nine minutes. Um, uh, Killer Mike from Run the Jewels uh, spoke uh, at the, or in, in Atlanta about the rides that were going on. And this was one that I thought was interesting. Um, so, if you need it, it's a little long. So, if you need me to, break it down and and reread it. Just let me know. Okay. And uh, this is in reference to people vandalizing CNN. I'm glad they only took down a sign and defaced a building and that they're not killing human beings like that policeman did. I'm glad they only destroyed some brick and mortar and that they didn't rip a father from a son, that they didn't rip a son from a mother like that policeman did when a man yells for his mother in duress and pain and she's dead, and he's essentially yelling, please, God, don't let it happen to me. We watch that, uh, and then it looks like I didn't get the rest of the quote. Shit. Um, well, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on just that?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the value of human life, and I, I don't like the idea of putting a financial number on it, but but this this speaker, this podcaster, is is really hitting it, right? That like the the cost of life and the impact of that is so much greater than a sign being broken. Um I, I just think it's yeah, I, I I don't know that I have much more to add other than that should be so obvious. Maybe that's maybe that's what I want to add. Like Then I go
0: it goes without saying; it's so obvious, like we were saying, like you were saying earlier.
1: Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, we're in a moment in history where we have to say it. But why do we have to say it? Why do we have to? Like. Uh... Yeah.
0: So this next one is a tweet I saw this morning that um, went viral from Lindis underscore Tastic. Resistance is not a one lane highway. Maybe your lane is protesting. Maybe your lane is organizing. Maybe your lane is counseling. Maybe your lane is art activism. Maybe your lane is surviving the day. Do not feel guilty for not occupying every lane. We need all of them.
1: Yes. I think that this is, this is true in so many areas, right? Whether it be uh, any kind of social justice work or participation in any organization or family, right? That everyone represents a different skill set, giftedness, uh, capacity, um, role, and you know this goes back to. And I think I've used this imagery a couple times, George, over the over the last couple of years in the podcast. That you know, a rabbi says, "What do you do when you have to cross a river that has rapids?" And it's you remove one stone at a time. And basically the, what's I've
0: never, I've never heard you say that before.
1: Oh, I, I say it a lot. So I just assumed I've said it on here.
0: No, that's okay. And that's, that's great. Can you say it one more time?
1: That if you approach a river and it has rapids and you need to cross it, what do you do? You remove one stone at a time. And, and the point is, is that the, all these small stones, sometimes big stones, um, are what caused the rapids and if we systematically remove the stones the rapids will go away and all the stones are important and each stone that comes out doesn't necessarily if you take out that first stone you might not see any visible difference in the rapids but by the time you take out that last stone it's going to look completely different and so your stone that you're removing uh when it comes to racism when it comes to uh, protests when it comes to any of this stuff it isn't too little it's necessary it's important and if everyone were to go in and imagine if a thousand people walked up to that river and each person grabbed a stone the rapids would be uh overcome quickly um and that's what's important uh not not how big of a stone you remove, but that you're willing to remove a stone. They're all important.
0: Okay, so this is um, gonna be the last one that we can wrap up with. And I chose it intentionally because I've seen this meme going around quite a bit uh, from friends who, are not religious to friends that are and this is i I chose this to be the last one because i wanted to tie into the fact that this is a actually theological conversation um and not strictly political one and that is the uh one where it's so above the image it says destruction of property is not a valid protest and then it's in picture of jesus flipping over the table in the temple yeah now this is Um, something that we've talked about before Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I kind of want to
1: revisit that with you. Yeah. Boy, I have mixed emotions about that meme.
0: Well, and I think that, you know, it's, um, we've got, we've got time so we can, mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is important to the the conversation. Not, not that the other ones weren't, but because this is a theological conversation and, you know, like I said, previously, we talk about praying with your feet Um, and this image is going around, it's, uh, this is all about education. I mean, we all comment this in different spots and it's important to recognize that and it's important to, you know, be okay with, um, learning.
1: Yeah. So let me, let me say my first concern with that is, and it feels off topic but I don't think it is. Um, That makes the gesture of table flipping. Hmm. I, I think I wanna back up. If we're gonna take that meme seriously, boy, this is gonna be fun. If we're gonna take that meme seriously, then it means we're not overturning the tables of Rome but we're walking into churches and flipping their fucking tables over. Yeah. And sorry, I saw your your look of um. Oh, no,
0: no, I'm leaving it all in. I mean, it's important to the conversation.
1: I, I mean, seriously, like that's my my concern that I was getting ready to speak was this can be an anti-Jewish meme, and Judaism was not the oppressor rome was the oppressor and that's important to see right and i think that meme misses that um and so i want to my theological mind my biblical context mind wants to debate the image but as i thought about i thought you know what let's take it literal all of us should be so angry right now that we storm the churches and flip the tables in the churches because we would much rather make money and fill our coffers and fill our seats than to actually fight against empire and that makes me so angry so angry we should be going into churches and flipping tables which is why I don't think that the Episcopal priest from DC mentioned anything about even though our church got burnt blah 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 because look churches wouldn't need to be burnt if churches would have been doing their freaking job the church should be anti-racist the church should be uh, standing next to the oppressed The, the church should be about manumission about freeing slaves about freeing oppressed The church should be about those things and instead this church is about spiritual masturbation and i think we need to go in and flip tables Flip pews, flip altars. I don't care. I don't think God cares. I think God would want us to to show if we're really angry right now, if we're really mad right now, we should be mad at churches, not just the government. Yes, the government controls, but the church is supposed to lead, and we are not. So if you want to flip some tables, head to your local church. Come to dust. Flip our tables. We deserve it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that this, that what you just latched onto is why, you know, listening to this podcast can sound like it's a, a political statement because of the way that evangelicals have treated politics and religion for the last, well, ever. <laughs> like, I mean, since
1: kind where of, evangelical became popular.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we prop up people who we, uh, we feel, <laughs> like. Oh <my> god! <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of, I think it was, I can't remember if it was the last episode or um, the episode before that one, we talked in a similar vein about this, about how we only care about historical context in, in the text when it applies directly to us.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And so I'm just thinking, I was thinking about that and just, you know, how many evangelicals sold their soul for the current president? How many sell their souls every election cycle? Yeah. And then we, yeah, and then we scratch our head and we are like, okay, well, we're doing a kind of great job legislating morality. It's like, well, that's not your fucking job, man.
1: Not only is it not your job, you actually haven't done it.
0: Yeah. Well, the you've wall. done it, but you've made no, uh, no. The but And you continue to make things worse. We yes, continue to make things legal. worse.
1: Sorry, what was that? I said abortion is still legal. Well, for now, we've got a 5-4 on the Supreme Court. Yeah, well, it's amazing that they're not talking about it right now. Yeah. I, look, What irritates me is that when I preach, when I teach the Bible, people will say, Don, you're liberal. And I'm like, I think you got some of the letters in the wrong order and you're missing a couple and you added a few because I think what you meant is that liberal is biblical. And I don't, everything i do has to be steeped in theology not steeped in political agenda what i decide to do on a daily basis is shaped by the teaching of scripture not by my my political affiliation and i think what what grieves me so deeply is that I don't think most conservative Christians could tell the difference between their theological behavior and actions, expectations, and statements and their political ones. And this is what is is so complicated. And so like today, for instance, everything that I've said, and you know, listeners are gonna have got to trust me on this, and George, you know me well enough to know this to be true. Comes from my understanding of scripture, not from political agenda.
0: It's true. And I can attest to that.
1: I ride an electric unicycle because of theology. I go to protest because of theology. I participate in Uh, trying to end food insecurity because of theology. Everything that we do should be theologically steeped. And the things that we're not doing, or the things that we're doing that are not steeped in theology, we need to inventory and ponder and ask, how does the idea of faithfulness, how does the idea of scripture influence shape or bend the way that I'm living and I gotta say George that I am hard-pressed to understand the theological perspective that stands against these protests and that stands against uh, a system that is disproportionately killing black and brown people. I agree. So then the question becomes, because I would imagine the demographic of our listeners is pretty white.
0: Oh, I think
1: that's with a name like Evangel Bros. Yeah. Um, And because of that, I want to make sure that we challenge the people to say this isn't enough you hearing us talk about this is not enough if you if you go through your Facebook friends or your circle of influence and that's better to me in my opinion people that you actually would text or give a phone call to or that you've hung out with in the last let's even give people some credit that we're all a little isolated right now sure two and a half years wow And if you can't name at least 10% of those people as being people of color, you need to shift some of the circles in which you live. You need to. Because you will never understand. You will never genuinely care about the problems that they face if they're not even in your circle of influence. And what you'll end up doing is you'll end up quoting MLK online. You'll end up talking about, oh, the poor dog was being choked instead of realizing that the woman was trying to assassinate a black man with the police department. You're going to talk about fighters on buildings as opposed to uh, blood in the street. We need to change our proximity. You and I talked about this before, uh, maybe personally, maybe online, I don't know. But one of the important messages to receive from the story of the traveler uh, that was beaten when the Samaritan stops is the Samaritan moved across the street to see what was going on the the Samaritan changed the proximity that they were to the person that was suffering and because they changed their proximity to the person that was suffering they were they gave mercy if your proximity is not near people who are suffering you need to change your proximity now You don't get to wait. Now, people are literally dying in our streets. People are literally being abused in our streets. People are literally suffering. Change your proximity today. And then, when you do, don't assume you have the answers. Shut your mouth, listen, sit at their feet, hear their stories. Don't give your opinions or ideas. Participate by being present and making space sacred. Don't be there and mouth off and profane the space. We don't need more white tears. We don't need more white anger. We need white presence. I've been your co-host George. I've been your other co-host Don.